Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. All right, hey, one of our favorites reached out this weekend, shared me his latest college football hourglass projections for the SEC. I said, I got to get him back on the show. Jake Wiberly, ESPN Radio out of the state of Mississippi. Jake, how's it going, brother? Michael, what's doing? Good, doing good. Uh, President's Day, so uh, trying to get some work done on a, on a holiday here. Man, I appreciate you having me on today. Yeah, Jake, oh, bad. Bad, bad, bad. You're going to get me in trouble already. People think I already hate the Gators because I'm a Tennessee grad. I got nothing against the Gators, even though they beat Tennessee, what is it, like 16 out of 18. But that's neither here nor there because according to your model, this is the number one. We'll get into all these teams, Jake, but the number one team that stood out. (laughs) I don't know what Billy Napier did to you, Jake. You got the Gators, your your model, I should say. Florida going 2-10, 2-10, Jake. I mean, if this ha- happens, I mean, I, I don't know if Billy Napier sees October. No, he probably doesn't, right? So <laughs> let me give a little backstory. And, and like you and I spoke about off the air is, you know, I have all this stuff ready to go and where you can read about it, podcast on it here, coming up in about a month, you know, right at the end of March Madness. We're, I'm working through all the conferences right now. We start with the Southeastern Conference and then work through, you know, all the Power Four now conferences and the F, uh, G5 conferences, and then, of course, I'll have my playoff projections and all that stuff. But I started with the SEC, and you know, now that recruiting is over, uh, at least this cycle, we will have another transfer portal window, so there'll be an opportunity for guys to move around a little bit. But I said, hey, I think we've got enough data to really start turning out what win totals will look like, working through schedules. So we'll start with Florida in, in just kind of a revisionist history here. The model that I use has several factors in it. One is a talent ratio model that ranks the talent of the team. So I, as I told you, I have combed this thing back to about two and a half years of true recruiting numbers. And then you have to go about two years of transfer portal numbers because no longer can we say, Hey, we, you know, Alabama uh, finished number one in recruiting or Georgia four straight years. have the number one roster talent in the country. Well, they may, but do they really? Um, If you want a great example of that, look at how competitive Auburn was with Georgia and Alabama last year and could have won both of those games. And I think a lot of that is because of the depth that George and Alabama do not have uh, any longer. Um, so we use a, a, a talent portion of it. Returning quarterback number is part of it. A coaching staff number is part of that. What I call my impact ball catcher metric, which is highlight wide receiver rooms because I think wide receiver rooms are extremely important in college football. And then there's the offensive and defensive efficiency portion of it. So it, it, it brings it all together to create a ranker for each team. And then I look at the games and then, you know, what does the schedules look like? Um, you know, for instance, where Florida has by far the hardest schedule in the Southeastern Conference, um, you know, Auburn kind of gets a pass. Ole Miss gets kind of a pass. Missouri kind of gets a pass this year. And, but they still have hard schedules, but nothing like Florida. So you know, when you look at Florida, um, you know, this year, and, you know, you know, coaching-wise, Billy Napier has been one of the worst in the Southeastern Conference. Um, really, you can only say, you know, uh, if you go up to Arkansas and Vanderbilt, uh, you know, is is there is there work staffs in the in the conference? And then of course you look quarterback play, um, pretty nice quarterback play with Graham Mertz. You know, it's kind of middle of the pack. Um, 
you know, receivers wise, what we call impact ball catcher metrics, that can be kind of middle of the pack. And then you look at Florida offensive and defensive scoring efficiency off last year and project that forward. They were 28th in the country offensively, 86 defensively. So when you compound that with a schedule uh, for Florida that starts out with Miami and they're going to be, you know, an underdog against the Miami Hurricanes, a very good, I think, Miami Hurricanes team. This could be the best Miami Hurricanes team we've seen in probably a decade. Uh, could be, they're going to be an underdog in that game. I think that win, that's going to be big. That's going to that's going to catapult them. But without just going through the whole schedule, I've got Florida with one, two, what I call one possession games, three, four, five, about seven one position possession games. Meaning that those are games that could go either way. Um, I've got them with a close loss to Texas A&M. Believe it or not, I have them a close loss on the road to Mississippi State, just because Mississippi State plays Toledo the week before. Florida plays to uh, Texas A&M the week a week before as well. Um, Central Florida, uh, I have Florida winning a close win. Then you go at Tennessee and Kentucky, and then a bye week: Georgia at Texas, LSU, Ole Miss, and Florida. I mean, look, Michael, that is I don't know that Ohio State and Georgia want that schedule, so they're going to be an underdog in most of those games. And if Billy Napier just gets this team, and if you believe it, look, Vegas set their win total at six, five and a half to six. There's a reason for that. Um, they set that number so they can get plays on both sides of the line, so to speak. A lot of people will say over six or five and a half just because, oh, yeah, Florida for sure will. I tend to go under that. I have them at two wins. I think it could you know, equal out around four wins, maybe five, some of these one-possession games. But it's going to be a tough year in games. Yeah, but it's just – it's kind of pathetic, isn't it, Jake? Because as we've grown up, I mean and, – and a lot of places say this, Jake, but it's true at Florida. The standard is – to compete for championships. You know, obviously you're not going to win one every year. Heck, Alabama and Georgia don't win one every year, but they, they at least compete for it. So it's just whether it's two wins, whether it's five wins, even if we we're, we go over the top and give them a bunch of these one-possession games and say they won six or seven, is that good enough in year three of a, of a coaching tenure at a place like Florida? I would argue it is not. So I don't know. I, I, would, I would bet you, Jake, there's a lot of Florida fans – if they if you game truth sir, they're saying I I hope we go two and ten so we can get us a, a new coach in here that knows what the hell he's doing. You know what? Yeah, no, I I agree. And you know that's the thing is is Florida should not be in this position. I mean, Florida should be in my estimation where Alabama has been. Not necessarily maybe nobody's going to make that run for ten years that Saban had, but competing for playoff spots. You know they need to be competing against Georgia, competing against Texas, um, competing against the Oklahomas of the SEC, and, and for whatever reason, you know outside of Steve Spurrier. And Urban Meyer, um, you know, Dan Mullen with one New Year's Six Day Bowl, Jim McElwain, I think maybe had you know, a nine win season. It, it just hasn't happened there for some reason. And I think there has to start being some self evaluation of why that is the case at a place like Florida where they should be, they should be at the top and they should expect to be there. Now, this was also interesting to me, Jake, CFB Hourglass. You've got projected right now only one undefeated team. And these are just regular season. Uh, records that we're throwing out here. This isn't postseason. You only won undefeated SEC team, and it's not the one I think most would assume. It's not Georgia. It is Texas. You've got Texas 12-0, Georgia 11-1. And I'm going to make an assumption, but you know, you let me know. Is that because Georgia has to go to Texas, to Alabama, and to Ole Miss? The, the schedule uh, after last season that, you know, was kind of joked all off season. What, what a pathetic schedule this is. They have done a 180 on the Bulldogs. They got a very, very difficult slate here. 
It, was that kind of the difference of why you why your models got Georgia eleven and one and Texas twelve and zero? Yes, one hundred percent. And you know, you look at the, just what you just said. You kind of framed it up. I mean, you look at Georgia's schedule versus Texas's schedule, and look, schedules are we know this. They matter. I mean, in, in look at Texas, they open up with Colorado State, and we're talking about a team that is one of the top recruiters in the country. And you know, when I kind of mull through this, and let me just go over here and tell you this too. This is the way I have it. Not everybody's going to agree. The top talented teams in the country, I mean, are still Alabama and Georgia. And throw in Oregon, Texas, and even the Miami Hurricanes. And, Michael, there's not a whole lot of difference between those teams as far as talent. When you start, you know, bringing in the transfer portal rankings, you start bringing in um, everything that's going on with roster, roster churn and attrition. But back to Texas, one of the best rosters in the country. Steve Sarkeesian gets a bump and a you know bonus today. A new contract that's out there. Those details, I'm sure you've seen it, are out there. Um, one of the better quarterbacks in the country in Quinn Ewers. They have the best wide receiver room, or you could argue one of the best in the not just the conference, but the country. And a schedule that is very manageable. Colorado State now they have to go to Michigan uh, in week two. But you look at, at Texas. I mean, you're, this is not your same Michigan team. No Jim Harbaugh. Um, no no quarterback. No running back. Um, that you know, no JJ McCarthy, no Blake Forum, uh, new coaching staff. So I, I feel comfortable that they will go in there and get that win. And then they go UTSA, Louisiana, Monroe, Mississippi State, and a bye week before they get Oklahoma um, on the third weekend uh, or second weekend in October. Then they get Georgia at home, um, Vanderbilt at, uh, on the road, a bye week, and they finish with Florida at Arkansas, Kentucky, and at Texas A&M. I, I do think Georgia probably gets them in the championship game of the Southeastern Conference, which will make that very interesting as far as seeding is concerned for the national playoff. But um, I think Texas and, uh, and Georgia are the two best teams in the conference. And I give the nod just because of the schedule and they play the dogs in Austin for the Longhorns. Could you see a scenario? I know I, I'm kind of jumping ahead a little bit here, but you, again, you said that you, you would favor Georgia in an SEC championship game if, if it was Texas and Georgia. Could you see a scenario where these two, they're, they're so good next year that they play three times, regular season, SEC championship, and then the third time would obviously obviously be in, an, in a uh, college football playoff scenario? I think it's possible. And that's one of the things I've been talking about on my show is I'll be more intrigued to see than anything is how this new playoff committee ranks and puts teams in a bracket, right? Is Texas and Georgia, and if you want to throw Alabama or Ole Miss, only one team can represent the SEC with an automatic bid, right? The first round by. What does the committee do with the second team? So let's just play the scenario out. Let's say Georgia wins the SEC. Texas is number two. Are they on the same side of the bracket as Georgia, or will they be placed on the other side of the bracket as Georgia? A lot of that, of course, is going to be where they're seated in this thing, because I still believe, obviously, Notre Dame, if they get to 10 wins, they're going to get into this tournament. Um, you'll have at least one group of five team in, and I'm not so sure that the committee in year one, if we have a, a you know a Tulane or a Liberty or a Boise State or a Memphis, if you have two of those teams that have one loss or undefeated, you may get two of those. So where will the committee put the other big SEC school? Will it be on the same side or the opposite side? If they break them up, absolutely, you can see um, you know a championship scenario. Of course, if you put them on the same side, you may see them as well. Um, but it will be fascinating to see how the bracket is set up. Now your models also got Ole Miss at eleven and one. That's pretty fascinating. That's that's what you want to see if you're an Ole Miss fan with all the the NIL, the coaching staff continuity, the the leaders from last year. A lot of them coming back to Oxford for another season. So 
safe to assume you got Ole Miss as a uh, college football playoff team here at 11 and one. Yeah, I haven't talked to the whole country, but I, I would dare say if they go 11 and one, they're going to be in the playoff. And look, again, I always say don't apologize for your schedule, but you're talking about Lane Kiffin. Um, who you bring it back majority of a team that just won 11 ball games this past year. They made Penn State look um, lethargic and slow in, in, in the Peach Bowl. Obviously, they lost Quinchon Judkins to Ohio State, but I, I feel that they'll be able to replace that production one way or the other. We know about the transfer portal hall, but Michael, they go Furman, Middle Tennessee, at Wake Forest, Georgia Southern, Kentucky, and at South Carolina. They should sleepwalk through that. I mean, if we're being honest, and then they host LSU at home. And they get the Tigers, um, you know, the Tigers will have a bye week coming into that game. They get them at home before they get a bye. Now, here's where it gets really, you know, dicey for them. They'll go Oklahoma at home at Arkansas and host Georgia. They need to go two and one in that stretch. Um, I like them with a close win at Oklahoma, Arkansas, Oklahoma. A win on the road at Arkansas, lost to Georgia, and then they finish up with Florida and Mississippi State. But, you know, here's the thing, too. I don't know how many teams can go 10 and two. You know, if it, because we don't have divisions anymore. So you could see a scenario where you have a zero loss Texas or Georgia, a one loss Texas or Georgia, a couple 10 and twos and some nine and threes in there. And I just don't know how many, you know, we assume the committee is going to give four teams, uh, you know, bids uh, to the playoff. But I think it's razor thin when you start talking 10 and two. 11 and one gets you in, 10 and two, believe it or not, you may be left out. Well, that naturally goes to my next question. We're going to find out how much Cousin Shane loves you right here, Jay, because you got Tennessee 10 and 2. Is it 10 and 2? I'm just going to assume that that's good enough. Now, it's not always going to be the case, but I'm going to assume, Jake, that a 10 win SEC team is going to make the college football playoff. So uh, I don't know. Where, where would you lean on that? If Tennessee goes 10 and 2, they play Georgia, they play Bama, uh, they play at Oklahoma. There are a lot of difficult games for Tennessee. If they're winning 10 games, we have to assume Nico's the real deal, one of the best offenses in the country, I would think, with winning 10 games. Would uh, would a 10-2 Tennessee, do you think they would deserve to make the college football playoff? Yeah, I think they would deserve uh, to get in. And, and, you know, let's just play this out. If I go to my final, if this works out right, you go Texas will be number one, Georgia two, Ole Miss three, Tennessee four, um, followed by several nine-win teams and, you know, LSU, Oklahoma, Auburn, Texas A&M, but I think so. Um, you know, just looking at Tennessee real quickly, I have their losses at Oklahoma and then against Georgia. I think I, I like the matchup with Alabama at home. Um, and then the rest of the schedule, they should be favorites against NC State, uh, Kent State, Chattanooga, Arkansas, Florida, Kentucky, Mississippi State, UTEP, and Vanderbilt. So they should be favorites in those games. But again, the problem, and I'll, I'll know this once we work through this and just, just, you know, for fun to see what happens is, you know, in the ACC, for instance, if you get a one-loss Florida State and a one-loss Miami and then maybe a one-loss Clemson, um, that creates problems. You know, how many how many teams will get bids out of the Big 12? Will it just be the champion or how many, how many or will they give it to another one? Will it, how many teams out of the Big 10? So to answer your question, I think at 10 and 2, Tennessee would make a strong case, especially when you start talking strength of schedule numbers and, and you know, having to play Oklahoma, having to play Georgia, having to play Texas or excuse me, Alabama that they would have a strong resume for it. Um, but again, I think you're kind of crossing your fingers at 10 and two, but I, I like Tennessee this year a lot. Now you, you said there, we got a couple teams at nine and three, but I want to ask specifically about one real quick, Oklahoma, the models got the Sooners going nine and three in their debut SEC season. Uh, got kind of a two-parter here, Jake. How difficult is it to project 
Texas and Oklahoma, given that uh, they're playing in a new conference, obviously, with a, a much more difficult slate? And how big of a surprise do you think it would be around the country if Texas comes into this league, goes undefeated, and Oklahoma comes into this league and wins nine games right off the bat? How, how surprising do you think that would be to the rest of the country that Texas and Oklahoma would be arguably two of the two of the better teams in the entire SEC right off the bat? I think nationally that would be a heck of a story. Um, you know, a lot of people, and this is just just me, um, still view the SEC. Now, here, there's a couple things here. One, we know the SEC does have the most talent in the country. If you don't believe it, just watch the NFL draft coming up here in April, and we'll see it every year. SEC leads the charge. But the SEC uh, around the country still has a stigma that, hey, this is top to bottom, a defensive first league. Um, when in reality, you know, the, the league has kind of fallen off. I mean, if you look at some of these numbers, Last year, you know, Vanderbilt 101 in defensive scoring efficiency, Arkansas 40, 41, South Carolina 55, Florida 86. I mean, you go down the list here, Ole Miss at 32. I mean, there's a lot of teams that have fallen off defensively. So when you look at Texas, to me, I don't think Texas would be as big a surprise because they played, you know, played in the college football playoff this year. They had the 17th best offense and the 8th best defense nationally. Um, Steve, Steve Sarkeesian has really done a great job with his staff teeing this, this Texas Longhorn team up, I think, to compete week in and week out. Oklahoma, though, you know, last year they were ninth in the country in offensive scoring efficiency and 11th defensive scoring efficiency in the Big 12. But there's a lot that they've had to replace. They've had to find a new quarterback. Uh, Dylan Gabriel's off to Oregon. They lost a lot of offensive, offensive linemen. But they have recruited well and done a decent job in the transfer portal. And, you know, when you look at Oklahoma – as, as far as their schedule is concerned, you know, Temple, Houston, and Tulane in the non-conference, their first SEC game, obviously, Tennessee will, will come calling. Then at Auburn, I think that's a game that they can go get. That will probably be a four-quarter type ball game. Texas neutral site game after a bye week. South Carolina at Ole Miss, another non-conference game against Maine. They play Missouri, Alabama, and at LSU. So, you know, you look at Vegas right now with Oklahoma, they have their win total at eight. I have them a game over at nine. I wouldn't be surprised if they go eight and four, um, you know, seven and five. But I have them, you know, winning a couple not uh, one possession games that, that I think they can get. So, you know, again, I look at these numbers and then I say, what does Vegas say? Vegas has them at eight. I have them at nine. Mm -hmm. and, and like I said, so you got a couple. Your your model's got a couple teams at nine and three: LSU, Oklahoma, Auburn, and Texas A and M. Is that? I I don't know if this is a, a way to really ask this, Jake, but is there? Is there one of these that stand out or, or not really, given that they're all projected to be nine and three? I, you know, again, some of that schedule, some of that's talent, all that. Is is there one of these teams or are they all kind of close, so close together? Uh, what's your thoughts on maybe one of these that, that is maybe a hair above the rest? LSU, Oklahoma, Auburn, and Texas A&M. I think if I had to pick, it would be LSU. Um, you know, because when I look at the overall power ratings in the conference, you know, LSU checks in as the fifth best power rated team. And I, again, we'll, I'll send you all this. We'll put this out. You know, power ratings wise, overall, which what that means for me is how do they score? How am I scoring these teams? And, you know, for instance, for, for a benchmark, Georgia scored, you know, 152.57. Texas under them at 135.85. Now, that seems like a big gap, but it's really not that big of a gap. Um, followed by Alabama, Ole Miss, and then LSU. Um, if LSU, who had the 106th ranked scoring efficiency team last year defensively, can cut that in half, um, I would I would say LSU, even with a new quarterback, um, they have an opportunity to to you know be back to playing at quote unquote LSU football. Now look, let's say back to playing LSU football, they just had the Heisman Trophy winner uh, on their team. So if I had to favor one of the teams, 
I would probably favor LSU of the nine and three. Now, this was going to get a lot of heat, I would imagine, Jake, and, and I, I hope you're ready for it. Just buckle up, buddy, because you got Alabama. Eight and four, and, and I'm seeing a lot of this. Again, your mod, this is your model, not not specifically you, but eight and four for the Crimson Tide here. And man, I like Kalen uh, DeBoer. I think that was a solid hire. I don't think he makes year three if he goes eight and four two years in a row. What what's your thoughts when you first came out and you saw this Alabama at eight and four? Well, surprising, and, and almost it makes you want to, uh, you know. We never do this budget. Like, no, no, no. Surely that's enough. It's just nine and three. Let's just put ten and two. That's Alabama, right? <laughs> but when you look at it, what's gone on, and again, so much attrition in the transfer portal the last two years. I mean, this team, maybe this past year, um, and I think it was Chris Marler or somebody put this out that if you took all of the guys that left Alabama just this year, it would have been the sixth ranked recruiting class in the entire country. You can't have that kind of attrition. And it not affect you. Um, and, and, you know, not necessarily affect you. I mean, Alabama coming out there for first 22, they're going to be able to compete with most anybody. Just that depth. And, you know, obviously change in a coaching staff. What does that look like? And Jalen Milrow, what will Kalen DeBoer do with Jalen Milrow? We know he's a fantastic player. Can he do what Kalen DeBoer wants him to do? Or will they have to kind of, you know, pivot and maneuver with that? And you look at Alabama, the reason I have them eight and four, they'll get off the cuff and go three and oh. I think they win at Wisconsin. After the bye week, I, I just Georgia, Kirby Smart, this feels like one of those games where he says, hey, you know, Kirby takes it personal and says, look, we got this new coach at Alabama and we're fixing to welcome him to the SEC in a Georgia kind of way. And I feel like they'll probably do that um, at Vanderbilt, South Carolina. But at Tennessee, I, I, I like Tennessee much better in this situation playing at home. We know that the volunteers are not scared of the tide. They beat them two years ago. Um, you know, they they had their moments last year. I like Tennessee in a close win. Um, Missouri, they should get that win. Again, how good is Missouri going to be? I mean, I, I think they're obviously going to be one of the better teams in the league. At LSU, again, I favor the Tigers just because of the coaching staff and uh, where that game is played. Mercer, but then at Oklahoma, a loss as well. Um, so, you know, I think Oklahoma's going to be somewhat of a buzzsaw and then a close win against Auburn. So, uh, for me, 8-4, and 9-3 and three is kind of where Alabama's going to be. Now, Vegas has Alabama's win total at 9. I go again one on one win under that at eight, and I, I just think Alabama. I mean, they're not going to be terrible, but I think they kind of settle back in the back in year one of a new regime. Mm. Now another team at eight and four, Jake. This was this kind of caught me off guard as well. Missouri, given their schedule, because the way I look at it, may, maybe your model's a little bit different, Jake. But I mean, I'm looking at it. They may be favored in ten games, maybe nine. Uh, the, the only ones I, I see them potentially not being favored at A&M, at Alabama, and possibly Oklahoma at home. I think Missouri's going to be favored in every single other game. So uh, what's your thoughts on Missouri coming out at 8-4, and four, according to your model? Yeah, Vegas has their win total at 9.5. Again, I'm a game and a half under that. I think they'll, they'll, they'll start out 4-0 against Murray State, Buffalo, Boston College, and Vanderbilt. After the bye week, I do think they'll be, depending on what Texas A&M does, and, you know, the Aggies uh, right now, I mean, obviously they'll play Notre Dame right out the gate in a fantastic opening weekend <clears throat> ball game. Then they take on McNeese at Florida, Bowling Green, and Arkansas. So they should have their sea legs. I would say the Aggies would be. So I, I like Texas A&M at home by just a little bit. Missouri will beat UMass. We know that. But then Auburn and then Bama on the road. I, I just I feel like one, if not both of these games are up for grabs. Now, Missouri could definitely beat Auburn. Um, and I don't, you know, maybe at Alabama we'll, we'll have to see. 
but I have them losing two very close ball games um, against both of those teams. After a bye week hosting Oklahoma, I feel like Oklahoma will come in and beat them. So, I mean, I've got three games where I call it a close loss, one possession ball game, and then they went out at the end at South Carolina, at Mississippi State, and Arkansas. So, one, two, three, four ball games, I think, that will determine their season if they can stay healthy. And it's kind of in the middle of that schedule, all one possession ball games, it looks like for me, um, which, you know, again, I've got them, I've got them uh, right there at uh, eight and four. I could see them at nine and three. Hey, who knows? If the ball bounces the right way, they could go 10 and two. Mm-hmm. And now your model's got two teams at six and six, Jacob. And it, I think this would be two wildly different reactions because you got Kentucky six and six. I think their fans would be just over it, ready for basketball. We all know the jokes there. While Mississippi State, again, I, I realize the standard is not six and six in Starkville, but I think year one, Jeff Levy, all the uncertainty. If they went six and six, I think state fans would be pretty fired up heading into 2025. Uh, what's your thoughts on these two teams that your models got predicted to go 500? Yeah, you know, Kentucky, I mean, we know, look, they, Mark Stoops has gotten more with less with Kentucky, and they've done a great job recruiting. We'll see what, you know, Brock Vandergriff does for them at quarterback. Um, if you look at Kentucky even last year, um, you look at the Kentucky Wildcats, I'm trying to find over here, you know, 33rd in total offense and 42nd in defense. Um, you know, it's kind of middle of the pack, which is what we kind of expect for Kentucky. Um, their schedule sets up where, you know, they play Southern Miss and South Carolina. Um, should be two wins for them. We'll see what happens with South Carolina and how good they're really going to be. I, I've, I've got them at four and eight this year, but they could you know, populate out at five and seven or six and six. Georgia, Kentucky has just shown they just, they're not likely just not going to be Georgia. Ohio, so they should be at three and one before they take on Ole Miss on the road. That's going to be a tough place to go play. I have them with a close loss. Vanderbilt win after the bye at Florida. You know, Mark Stoops knows how to beat Florida. This goes back into that Florida conversation. This is one of those games where Florida could grab another win or maybe this sends Kentucky, you know, backwards with a loss. Auburn um, at home and, of course, at Tennessee, Murray State at Texas and Louisville. So I just think that back half for, for uh, Kentucky is just too much to ask for. When you talk about Florida, Auburn, Tennessee, Sandwich, Maine in there, t- uh, Texas and Louisville. For Mississippi State and Jeff Levy, it's going to be one of the younger teams in the conference, not totally at the back end, but – a lot of youth is going to be expected to step up. They're going to play a different brand of football. They're going to they're going to go wide open. They're going to try to be you know play an exciting brand. Um, you know we'll see what happens with Mississippi State and the way they play. But Eastern Kentucky uh, should be a gift on game one at Arizona State is a game that I call a close win. Bulldogs, regardless of what has happened, are a more talented team. Arizona State uh, on the road <clears throat> should be a four quarter ball game. If Mississippi State can get that, they should beat Toledo and be three and zero with Florida coming in. I have a close win against Florida, lost to Texas at Georgia, Texas A&M, and then a close win against Arkansas in the middle of the season just because I think Arkansas is another team that's kind of dead man walking this year. UMass a win and then lost to Tennessee, Missouri, and Ole Miss to finish the season. So, you know, for Mississippi State, if you look at Kentucky, go back to them, their win total in Vegas is seven. I have them right under six. For Mississippi State, um, you know, theirs is at five, and I have them one over at six. But there is no room for error for Mississippi State to get to six. And for Kentucky, I mean, you know, look, they can get to seven, they can get to eight, but they've got to do the right things. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm a big fan of Shane Beamer, but, uh, man, your model's four and eight. And I think that may be fair, given the fact that Spencer Rattler's off to the NFL, Xavier Leggett, one of the breakout stars in the entire SEC, both those guys off the roster. So they need a lot of help. And when they had those guys, they still couldn't make a bowl game. So, 
Uh, how surprised were you that the model passed South Carolina regressing yet again, four and eight? And as popular as Shane Beamer is, I mean, I, I don't know how many four and eights he's going to survive in Columbia. Yeah, I mean, the question is who plays who plays quarterback? Um, you know, when you talk about uh, you know a couple of journeymen there on that roster and a schedule that does not lend itself uh, to a lot of success. I mean, obviously, Old Dominion and at Florida. You know, if they can go, excuse me at Kentucky, if they could go to Kentucky and get the win uh, and get to two and zero, that would help them mightily. But I, I think that they lose that ball game. LSU at home, Akron before uh, bye week. I have them you know two and two going into the first bye. And it's, it's similar, to Florida, Ole Miss at Alabama, at Oklahoma, take a break, Texas A&M, Vanderbilt, and then Missouri, Wofford, and Clemson. So, you know, they're going to be underdogs in several of these games. At Clemson, they'll be an underdog. They'll be an underdog probably against Missouri, Texas A&M, Oklahoma, Alabama, Ole Miss, Kentucky, and LSU. So it just – schedule does not lend itself uh, for a lot of success, in my, my opinion, for South Carolina this year. Yeah, and then kind of a similar deal, man. Sam Pittman, one of the most beloved figures in the SEC. They're going deep. Your model's got them at three and nine, same as Vanderbilt, but uh, three and nine. Those fans deserve a hell of a lot better than that. And, and I mean, we won nine games a couple of years ago in Fayetteville, and things have, have clearly just kind of gone backwards on us here. So, how, how many? Let's try to give some fans some hope here. How many of these are, are one possession games that Arkansas maybe could flip? To do to to have a much better record than three and nine as your model currently projects, I think there's three out there or four. Look, that Oklahoma State game on week two, a lot's expected out of McNundy's team this year in the Big Twelve. If they can go in and grab game right there in week two, they'll beat UAPB and UAB uh, on each side of that. That would get them to three and zero. Oh. You know, at Auburn, um, if they're three and zero oh going to Auburn, there'll be some hope there. But I think that's a one possession game. You look at Mississippi State on the road, a one possession game. Typically, Ole Miss and Mississippi State going to Arkansas is very tough for those two teams. I would like to think that that Ole Miss-Arkansas game is going to be close. There's another one-possession game out there as well. So, you know, just say three or four. I mean, you could see an instance where they win their non-conference. If they can beat Oklahoma State, they win their non-conference out and then grab a couple games and get the 6-6. Six six. And I think that would be a win for Sam Pittman. That's something, you know, we'll see if Bobby Petrino can, can help his former team get to bowl eligibility. And if they can – that would help in recruiting. And then that would, you know, while we don't put a ton of stock in the lower tier bowls anymore for coaches and selling points to administration and to recruits and say, hey, look, we've got this thing going in the right direction. Come help us win at Arkansas. And I think that's what they're going to have to do. Win at Oklahoma State and grab a couple games they shouldn't. Yeah. Then so Vanderbilt, you also three and nine. At least Clark Lee would be able to sell, hey, we're better in Florida, which Probably gonna lose to Florida anyway, but uh, that that is something. But uh, man, if if Vanderbilt Clark Lee, if he's there for four years and three of them are winless in the conference, uh, I mean it's just I I don't I don't really have anything nice. Can you say one nice thing about Vanderbilt for me, Jay? Because I can't I can't think of anything. Great engineering school. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> it is a great engineering school and a great medical school too. <laughs> but I, which which. League game is most winnable for the Commodores. Is it that late in the season, South Carolina? That's one a lot of people have circled. But, heck, I think South Carolina's beaten them like 16 years in a row. So I don't, I don't know why we all assume South Carolina's the one, but is that the one for your model? I think South Carolina. And then I think if you wanted to grab another one, I think oddly you would have to go to – hear me hear me out here – Missouri or Kentucky on the road just because, you know, if they can catch one of those teams kind of sleepwalking, 
then they may have a shot. You know, Jackie Sherrill used to say this when he was at Mississippi State, and he, I think he'd die by this and live by this, and I agree with him, is take any team in the country, you can only get them up for about three games in the year, right? Like You can really do the rah-rah speech and get them emotionally. You know, first game of the season, a big ball game in the middle, and then a rivalry game at the end of the year. The rest of that time, it's up to these teams to kind of, you know, self-cultivate and, and, and self-motivate internally. So, you know, if that's when we typically will see one of these upsets, or, you know, or two or three is in the middle of the year where a team kind of gets caught sleepwalking a little bit. So it could happen, uh, you know, in, in say a Kentucky or Missouri, or Missouri for Vanderbilt. But it just, you know, you hate it for Vanderbilt. You wish they were a little more competitive and had a competitive uh, advantage they could play on in football, but it just hasn't shown itself. Yeah. Well, Jake, I can't thank you enough. Host of the Afternoon Drive ESPN Radio out of Mississippi. And, of course, all these projections were from your CFB, Hourglass.com. Go check it out. Jake, before you go, can you tell the audience how can they find you? How can they give you a follow and, and check out all your outstanding work? Yeah, just follow me on X at Jake Wim. Um, nothing on the website as far as current right now that's coming. I uh, got a lot of people helping this year, like I told Michael. So we'll have articles that will start to come out here in the next three weeks or so. We're going to start with team specific articles. Uh, and then I'll throw in your national championship type stuff, conference primers. We'll have some podcasts and stuff. So, and you can always find a, you know, podcasts are available on Apple iTunes, all the uh, YouTube, uh, Spotify, and all the, the uh, platforms out there as well. So we'll be cranking this stuff out. It's, it's number season and it's a lot of math, Michael, and it's fun to kind of see because you look at this and sometimes you shake your head at your own look on numbers and go, that can't be right. Uh, sometimes they're right, sometimes they're not. We'll see. Well, that's why I like having you on, Jake, because I can barely count. So I'll let you do the math and explain it to the rest of us, all right? Very good. Very good. Michael, I appreciate you as always. Hey, buddy, this beer's for you, Mike, and Cousin Shane. That SEC podcast loves the pirate, and the pirate loves that SEC podcast. Hail State.